turn in God's Word to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, there's a black one every other chair in front of you. And uh, this passage is on page 403. So Nehemiah 8, it's on 403 on the black Bibles provided for you. Happy New Year. Oh, that's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> as you get to Nehemiah chapter 8, um, could you please stand with me as a way to honor the reading of God's Word this morning? And I think you'll see specifically why in Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah 8, verse 1, we're going to read the first eight verses. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that Yahweh had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maasiah on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed Yahweh, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped Yahweh with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Maasiah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Paliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word this morning. Father, thank you for the gathering this morning. We uh, are also aware that there are hundreds of churches, thousands of churches meeting uh, right now um, in our region. We pray your blessing upon those churches that are preaching your word this morning as well. Pray that your word would go forth powerfully, that people would hear, be convicted, that some would come to know you as their Lord and their Savior this morning, that others would be challenged, that others would um, be uh, encouraged. And so we pray that you would do the same here in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. After his return from church one Sunday, a small boy said, you know what, mommy, I'm going to be a minister when I grow up. That's fine, said his mother. But what made you decide you want to be a preacher? Well, the boy said pensively, I'll have to go to church on Sunday anyway, and I think it would be fun to stand up and yell than to sit and still and listen. <laughs> that's uh, just a, an interesting anecdote about what is happening right now. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about what's happening right now. Uh, Pastor Ron was away this week. Uh, he and Susie were celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. And um, since we just finished the Names of God series, and next week is Vision Sunday, um, we had an open Sunday for me to preach on whatever I wanted to. So Happy New Year to me. Um, 
I threatened Pastor Ron with some um, other sermons, but I settled uh, on preaching this morning, on listening to God in preaching. Uh, or a title I had at first was, you mean he's just going to talk for 50 minutes straight? But I decided not to go with that one. Uh, when I was thinking about this, in all seriousness, I thought about a quote I heard from a theologian named D.A. Carson, um, who said something like this, one generation believes the gospel, the next generation assumes the gospel, the following generation denies the gospel. Uh, his point um, is not to be pessimistic. His point is that we must be vigilant against the danger of just assuming the good news. So I, I thought about this point kind of in comparison to, um, to church every Sunday, but specifically to this sermon time. What are we doing here? Why are we missing football games? Some of you might be wondering. Um, so I, I wanted to talk about this because I think we get used to um, every Sunday after Sunday after Sunday sitting down and listening and mainly the same schedule, hearing God's word opened. I figured that I'm 31 and so um, I probably started sitting in on the sermon at my home church growing up about 20 years ago and there's about 50 sermons a year and then I went to a Christian college where we had chapel three times a week so I am in the thousands of sermons that I've heard in person, not to mention podcasting. So what are we doing here? What are we doing? Why are we here? What are we listening to? Why should you try really hard to stay awake right now? Um, I, I thought that, that it might be good to start this year off by reminding ourselves what's happening. I want to look at how to listen to God in the preaching of his word. I want to draw on principles from the Bible, so we're going to be all over the place. Um, Maybe just have your pen ready to write them down, because I won't have us turn to all of them. Uh, But I want to also just think about some common sense application, practical ways of thinking through how to best hear from the Lord in the sermon. We'll preach about 48-ish sermons this year at Village Bible Church, um, and I want to, to really zero in on this. God has gifted this church with preachers, and teachers, and he has set things in motion by the gifting of certain individuals to preach and to teach God's word at various levels. That goes all the way from what I'm doing right now to one-on-one discipleship and counseling and small groups and um, accountability groups and all of those things. So uh, this morning I want to to look at what we're going to do in your notes simply before, during, and after the sermon. Before, during, and after the sermon. But I wanted to Um, because I couldn't fit it anywhere else. I wanted to read just one chunk of Psalm 119 to see what the psalmist um, had to say about God's word. What the psalmist had to say about God's word. So Psalm 119, 25. If you want to get there, you can. If not, just listen. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, let me not be put to shame." I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. So we want to have that kind of attitude towards God's word. Many of you have been Christians for a decade, two, three, seven decades. 
um, you, you've been doing this for a long time. And I want us this morning all at various levels. Maybe you're not a Christian and you're here this morning. You're very welcome. And this is a good message for you to be here to hear. What are we doing? So before the sermon starts, which is before right now because the sermon started, but before every Sunday, what can we do to best hear, to best listen to God in preaching? Uh, point number one is pray. Point number one is, is pray. And there's all kinds of people to pray for um, when you're considering next Sunday, when considering the sermon, considering the message. Um, right now, uh, Jeremiah and Jennifer are sitting at the back booth. They need prayer. <laughs> uh, I am speaking. I need prayer. You are listening. I hope you need prayer. Um, perhaps you invited someone to come and you want to pray for them. Um, perhaps someone is not here who we're, we were hoping to be here to listen to this message. Perhaps someone you know is sick and can't be here. Be praying for them. Uh, one thing that, that I would ask as you pray for me or, or Pastor Ron or AJ or a guest speaker um, is, it comes from Colossians 4.3. And the Apostle Paul asks the Colossian church to pray for him and asks them to pray that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Listen to this. That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. I, I pray that a lot because I want to be clear, which is how I ought to speak, and often I am not speaking clearly. So I need the Lord's help for that. But you know what it's like to come to church on Sunday. Um, I, I am in this stage right now of little kids, and now I have to come early because this is my job. So my wife is left to try to gather two little girls and get them here on time. Um, and that doesn't always happen smoothly, right, parents? <laughs> um, Sometimes you're dragging people in. There are uh, not the best attitudes before the Lord and in inner family warfare. But, but we're here. We're coming. So how do we make the best of that? Realizing that's a reality. It's not going to be perfect every Sunday. Perhaps you didn't sleep well last night. Um, perhaps you stayed up late working last night. Whatever the case, pray before the sermon. Number two, come. Let's <laughs> just, just come. Let's say that. Come. Come to church. Come rested and ready. Come on time, or even early. Um, Pastor Ron has has um, emphasized this in the past that we really encourage you to get here early, to be here on time at the latest. Um, one of those, well, there's many reasons. One of those reasons is that when we have visitors, often visitors are here early, and they need to be ministered to. They need to be. Greeted. They often show up early because it's their first time here. They want to be here in good time. And if none of our members, none of our regular attenders are here, I don't know if that speaks very well of us. So please let me urge you to make a resolution in 2016 to be here on time. My music pastor growing up used to say this all the time, all the time. Sunday morning begins Saturday night. <laughs> um, and he um, had a specific way of doing this, and it may be because he was a music pastor, but he would play music the night before in his house that was specifically set to get his affections towards Christ, towards Jesus, towards God, towards his fellow church members, so that he would begin to prepare for this last night. And part of the way we show that we value someone or something is in the time and thought we put into preparation, Right? When you are trying to surprise someone, um, when you're trying to surprise a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or uh, a mom or a dad, you're trying to surprise someone, the, you show that you value the time with that person, you show that you value that person 
by the preparation that you put in. Please consider that. Also, we have in the scriptures the preparation, just in the Old Testament, consider the preparation for worshiping God in the tabernacle and later in the temple. Um, for those of you that, that went with us to, to Israel last time, um, at the base of the southern steps to the Temple Mount, there are lots and lots of baths, mikvahs, mikvahot, where you would go down into the water to cleanse yourself, to make yourself ritually pure before you even entered the temple courts. Now, we're not going to install a bath outside for you to go into before you come in, but even the principle of the preparation of reverence for God coming into His presence is something we ought to take very seriously. Preparation was essential for the Israelites to worship God. And just because we're this side of the cross um, doesn't mean we can just kind of chuck the idea of preparing ourselves. Well, the temple veil tore in two and Jesus died for a sin, so hey, we don't have to worry about that. Um, I think that we really do need to consider, perhaps reconsider, what we do to prepare our hearts, to prepare our family's hearts for coming before God. Because that's what we're doing. Do you, re- you realize that, that um, there's not much else that would bring this group all together, other than Jesus' blood? Look at us. Look around. <laughs> different skin color, different hair color, different hobbies, different sports teams. Look at all the sports teams represented here. Look at all these things. What's bringing us together? Why are we here? If not, because God has brought us together and made us family. He's made us family. Third point before the sermon, prepare. Prepare. I know I just talked about preparation, but here, prepare your heart to cultivate a desire to hear from God. You may not desire to hear from God today. You may not want to be here because of someone else who is here. You may not want to be here because God is here in a special way. Prepare your heart to cultivate a desire to hear from God. Um, I want to speak specifically to the young people in the room right now. Um, the digital generation, to call you digital natives, I guess I'm one of them, millennials and younger, um, our attention sp- I actually have a hashtag in here, hashtag attention span. Um, <laughs> our attention spans are short. We are not good at concentrating for long periods of time. I spent most of yesterday sitting in front of a computer screen um, working on this sermon. I checked Facebook way too many times. My, my attention span is short. I have to work at concentrating, at listening. So, how do we do this? Well, another thing that's interesting with you younger people, I don't know what this is, but I think it's just because of attention spans and not being able to sit still for 45 minutes. Um, We'll find any excuse to get up and walk out. Um, Going to the bathroom after you've already gone to the bathroom, after you've already gone to the bathroom, just because you can't sit still anymore. We've got to work hard at this. We've got to work to, to place ourselves under the teaching of God's word, to sit still and to listen, to maximize your exposure to God's word. We must do whatever we can to stay in our seats. We do this for movies, don't we? We go to a movie and we go to the bathroom right before so we don't have to leave. Okay, now, we're such a ridiculous society that we actually have an app that tells you when the best time in a movie to go to the bathroom is. But that not was, that was handy. We, we've got to, we've got to teach ourselves what the priorities are. 
my priority ought to be, and listen, I'm only up here nine or ten times a year, okay? So the rest of the time, I'm down there with you listening to Pastor Ron, okay? I have to do this as well to prioritize my time. How can I spend the most time exposing myself to Bible preaching? Uh, Point number four before the sermon, read the passage ahead of time. Now, you couldn't have done that for this sermon, which is ironic, but um, oftentimes we're in a book, so I'll give away the details. We're going to start 2 Corinthians in two weeks. Okay? There, go. All right? 2 Corinthians. Um, we're going to go through it passage by passage. Um, you can read ahead, begin to meditate, think, perhaps even ask questions. Hey, I'd love for you to shoot me emails the week that I'm preaching, or Pastor Ron the weeks that he's preaching, and ask questions ahead of time. That way I know what my congregation is thinking about the passage that I'm studying. I get lots more input that way. Please send questions my way. By the way, I'll spill the beans even more. After 2 Corinthians, we're going to do Isaiah. So we've got the next year, uh, at least, um, before us in what we're going to be preaching through. So read it ahead of time. Prepare your heart by reading the passage ahead of time. Be familiar with what is going to be taught. And number five, expect, expect God to speak. Expect God to speak. Um, God says in Hebrews 12, through whoever wrote that, we don't know, the author of Hebrews 12, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses right now at this very moment. This is probably referring back to chapter 11, the, the faith hall of fame, the hall of faith. But it continues and goes on and says that in our gathering together, we have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We're not alone. We're not here alone listening to God's word. We're having a, a dress rehearsal for eternity right now. In fact, we're joining with millions who have gone before us who are even now at the throne of God worshiping. In fact, he says there's innumerable angels that are there as well. We're, we're a, a tiny little fraction joining with this huge mass over history that is worshiping and praising God right now. This is what's happening right now. Now, you might be yawning right now. It's still happening. I might be boring right now. It's still happening. Now, my prayer is that I would not be boring right now, but that we would go before God with this understanding that we expect God to speak in a special way that he does when his people are gathered. Now, no doubt, if you've read your Bible, God comes to people in visions, dreams, voices. He he comes and speaks to people. But God shows up in powerful ways when God's people are gathered together. God loves to speak when his people are together and listening. Well, let's move on to what's going on right now. During. What should you do during the sermon? How do you listen listen to God best during the sermon? Um, Number one, pray. So you already prayed beforehand. And it's okay to pray during. Now, it might help you not to close your eyes and pray during the sermon as some of you are doing right now. 
By the way, I love doing this. I love talking to people afterwards like, wow, did you get a good nap? I wasn't sleeping. I was just resting my eyes. Yeah, right. Okay, good. I'm glad I could provide that for you. I'm just doing a service. Pray during the sermon. Pray that you stay awake. Hey, listen, I've fallen asleep during messages, okay? Can, how many of you have fallen asleep in one of these chairs during a message? Joe, thank you for that honesty. Yeah, look at that. I bet, about, I bet most of us are telling the truth, okay? Um, yeah, we've fallen asleep because you couldn't sleep the night before, because you're tired, because you worked hard, because the guy up here is boring. Well, we, it, we, it's, it's okay, kind of, right? Pray that you don't. Go stand in the back if you feel like you're going to. But we, we want to pray during the message. Pray, Lord, I don't, I don't like what he's saying. I, I don't like him. <laughs> I, I am not, I'm not ready for this. I don't want to hear this right now. Pray that you would be receptive. Pray for the preacher to preach well. Pray for the distractions that are distracting you. Listen, I, I am an distra- easily distractible person. And during the sermons... Um, I get incredibly pharisaical and legalistic. Um, especially before I had kids, I was going, why do they have their kid in here? I can't hear what the pastor's saying. And then I had kids. I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> Pray against the distractions. Um, number two there on, on, your, on your notes, what are we doing? What are we, what are we doing? So we've talked about this a little bit, but I want to review this. In Acts 2, Verse 42, the the early church, the first church in Jerusalem, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That word devoted, they devoted themselves. It means to busy oneself with, to be busily engaged in, to hold fast to. These people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Guess what? We've got the apostles' teaching. Devote yourself to, to the apostles' teaching. Let's do it together. 1 Peter 1, 23-24, tells us that we are born again through, how? Through the living and abiding word of God. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. How were you saved? Did you just kind of like grit your teeth and say, I'm going to do better. I'm going to be a good person. Is that how you got saved? Um, no, you, you got saved by hearing God's word. Now, it may have been someone actually reading the Bible to you. It may have been someone explaining the Bible to you. It may have been an Awana leader. It may have been a Sunday school teacher. It may have been a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a pastor. But you were saved, however you were saved. You were saved through the living and abiding word of God. How many of you, was anybody here... Um, anybody here saved during a, a sermon, during a message? A few hands. Yeah, actually saved during the message being preached. Praise the Lord that God's word goes forth powerfully. By the way, this is not in the notes. Something that would be really good to do during a message is to be saved. That would be fantastic. If you're not a Christian, now is a great time to call on the Lord and be saved. Um, what are we doing? We're participating. We're not spectating. Now, this is really hard for us. This is really hard for me. Um, I'm a critical person. Anybody critical? John, raise your hand. Yes. Okay, yes. Yes. We're, we're, we're critical people, right? Um, how many of you uh, leave reviews on Yelp or, or apps when you go out to eat in places? All right. Some of you do that. Yeah. How many of you skip the app and just complain about it in the car ride home? Right? Yeah. We, we go see a movie and we're all of a sudden, we're all really qualified to be movie critics. Yeah. 
we, we do that. Um, we go to, we go to sports games and we, and we, um, we're spectators, right? At the game. Although some of us are more participating than others, right? Why is that person yelling? They know, Amy says this all the time. They can't hear you. <laughs> no, but they can hear us. Rise up. Yeah. <laughs> they, and then no one does. <laughs> and then she's right. But let, let me call you to participate on Sunday morning during the sermon. Okay? Participate. Don't, don't spectate. The, the word for the fellowship back in Acts 2 is koinonia, and it means a participation in, together. So participate. Someone said this, church is an activity, not a passivity. Church is an activity, not a passivity. Now, of course, you are sitting in a chair, and I am standing up here, and I have a microphone, and, and you don't. But, but we are actively engaging with God when His Word is being preached. Please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and thinking about what we're doing during the sermon, during the message. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let me be really clear. Church attendance is not optional if you're a Christian. Church attendance is not optional. It's like a, not like an add-on benefit of being a Christian. It's crucial to who we are as the people of God, not because there's something special or magic or holy about this building, but there is something very holy about God's people meeting together in a place in order to worship Him. We need to be here as often as we can. Because we need someone else to encourage us as we see the day approaching. We need others to stir us up. We need to consider how we are to stir one another up. Alice and I in the car on the way here this morning talked about how we can think about who to serve this morning when we get here. How do we serve one another when we're here? And I said, you know, Alice is a, is a hugger. I said, maybe some people need hugs. And I think she took that very literally because Janine told me that she was just kind of Passing them out over here. She was handing them out. Hugs for everybody. I don't know you, but I'll hug you. (laughs) Welcome to church. Um, We can't practice the 50-something New Testament one another's if we're not with one another. (laughs) We can send emails. I know. Okay, but, but the emphasis in the scripture is that when we are together, we practice the one another's together with one another. Later on this morning, um, those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ will have an opportunity, the privilege to celebrate the Lord's table that's set before us. We will remember Jesus' coming, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his return that's coming. 
by participating together. Not in a merely private, individualistic way, but together we will eat and drink and remember the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is a physical, tangible thing on purpose, right? There's a piece of bread in your mouth. There's a little bit of juice in your mouth. Why? To, to help you taste, in a tangible sort of way, the gospel story. This is the bread, which represents Jesus' body, broken, as, as it was broken this morning to be placed in the baskets. The juice represents his blood, which was spilled out for us. How kind and good of God to give us these tangible things to remember him by. But what else are we doing? We're, we're here, we're sitting, we're sitting, we're bringing ourselves under God's powerful word. God's powerful word. Jeremiah 1, 9 through 10, um, God told Jeremiah, well, it says this, Then Yahweh put out his hand and touched my mouth. And Yahweh said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Set over the nations? How was Jeremiah set over the nations? As a king? As a ruler? As a warrior? No, as a prophet. Why? Because he wielded something greater than a sword. He had God's word in his mouth. Later on in Jeremiah twenty-three, twenty-nine. God says, is not my word like fire, declares Yahweh, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? That's good news this morning because there's hard hearts in this room. Um, all, All of us who are believers, we had hard hearts. And the gospel cracked open that rock, gave us a heart of flesh so that we might seek after God. Listen, God's word is really, truly alive. I had a children's pastor who also became the Awana missionary for the greater Los Angeles area for a long time. Um, he would put his Bible down when I was in like third, fourth grade. He put his Bible down on the table and he had this fedora that was like Indiana Jones-like and he would put it on the Bible and he'd start walking around the room and he'd say, did you see it? And you know, we're little kids like, ah! Because <laughs> he, he, he did it on purpose, right? Did you see it? Did you see it? What, what did you see? And people were like, a, a Bible? And he'd say, It's alive. God's word is alive. I just remember going, whoa. <laughs> because you know what? He believed it. <laughs> and and then, then maybe that's a silly little way to do that, but to, to remind us that God's word is alive. It doesn't mean the Bible's going to start like, you know, on your nightstand if you're not reading it. But God's words are alive because God has invested his words with life. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's the word of God. That's the powerful word of God that we sit under. God is here. God is speaking. Are you listening? Uh, Number three, what is the preacher doing? What is that guy doing up there? Um, I'm doing a lot of things. I am operating with borrowed authority. Um, I do not have some kind of inherent authority. Um, If I am wrong, I need to be told and I need to be warned. Um, If I do this well, I'm conveying God's words to God's people as well as challenging unbelievers. I'm speaking the words of God. In fact, what I am doing, what we are all doing when we speak God's word in one form or another is we're challenging Satan because the first thing Satan says in the history of recorded literature is, 
did God actually say? We are saying, yes, God actually said. And he's given us his word. Every time we speak God's word, we are defying Satan. Because he is a liar and he wants to twist God's word. Um, In the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, there are at least 33 different Greek words to describe the preaching, teaching of God's word. 33. That's a, a diversity of terms. And that means that every Christian is a preacher, a proclaimer, an evangelist at some way, not just the preacher. Um, in Acts 8.4, after a great persecution arose against the church after Stephen was stoned to death, um, all the believers were scattered except the apostles. And this is, what, this is what the word of God says. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Well, the, the apostles were still in Jerusalem. Who were these people? They were just Christians. They were us. They're going out and sharing God's word. What I am specifically addressing today is is this um, form of preaching, the sermon on Sunday when the church is gathered. So let's just be careful to note that there's all kinds of preaching that we're to be doing one-on-one. We're to be doing um, preaching to uh, our our, uh, co-workers our fellow students. Listen, preaching has a bad rap and a bad name, right? Oh, he's preachy. I would, thanks. <laughs> Don't preach at me. Well, what's, what's preaching? What does it mean? It just means to proclaim a message. Um, one of the words in the New Testament to, for preaching is heralding, right? The, the town herald that would come in, hear ye, hear ye, like that guy. Um, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm heralding the good news. I'm heralding the word to you. I'm announcing to you what the king has said, which means I better be accurate with how I handle this book. Because if I mishandle it, then I am not being a good herald. Um, a, a pastor in Washington, D.C., Thabiti Anubile, says, Preaching is God speaking in the power of his spirit about his son from his word through a man to men. Preaching is God speaking in the power of his spirit about his son, from his word, through a man to man. I love that definition because it says through a man way at the end. It talks about what God is primarily doing before it talks about what I am doing. Uh, John Piper says that preaching is worshiping over the word of God with explanation and exaltation. That we're not just explaining, giving information, we're shooting for transformation. That God would transform hearts here. And, and I, I, I really, in the spirit of quoting um, great men of God, um, I, I would like to, to quote Martin Luther, the great reformer. And when he was 48 years old, which is much older than me and perhaps the age of our pastor, um, said, although I am old and experienced, I am afraid every time I preach. Uh, and, and I resonate with that. I... Um, I got nervous in the front row this morning because of what this is. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really afraid of you anymore. I used to be. <laughs> There's a lot of people out here. Um, I've gotten kind of used to that, but, but I, am, I am afraid to mishandle God's word, um, to use this in a way that would benefit me and not um, glorify God and be for the benefit of his people. First Peter 4 says this, As each has received a gift, 
Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoa. (laughs) That is intense. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. So please pray for me and Pastor Ron and and AJ and the elders and other teachers of the Sunday school classes here. Um, You know what? There's a part of this. It's a really good feeling. It's fun to have a microphone sometimes. And some of you... You can't, you don't understand this and that's fine. Um, God hasn't wired you that way. But there's, there's a power in talking to people and having everyone look at you. <laughs> um, but that really skews motives really quick. So pray for us. Pray for right motives. Pray that we would preach and teach um, because God's called us to, not because we like doing it because people listen to us. Um, David Hegg says that the mark of a herald's success is not what the audience thinks of him, it is what the king thinks of him. Um, the, the king gives me grades. Your grades are helpful, <laughs> um, but in the end, they don't matter like the king's grade. Okay, so number four, what are you doing right now? What are you doing? Um, a lot of things. Uh, you can help the preacher, by the way, by being attentive, by being engaged. Um, you can help those around you by not sleeping or snoring. Um, you can help those around you by not being distracting. Um, there are lots of ways you can think of of not, not to do that. Um, because here's the, here's, the, here's the reason here. How we hear matters. How we hear matters. Um, you've heard this phrase if you've read the Gospels. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It is important that we hear. I'm not going to read the parable of the sower, of the sower um, the soils that the, the seed is sown on, but I'm, I, I also understand that right now I'm sowing seeds. Um, uh, the Apostle Paul says that some planted, some water, but God gives the growth. That's what we're doing. Um, I pray that, that if you work with my children, that that's what you see yourself doing, that we, in all the places that we teach and preach God's word, that we understand ourselves to be sowers. Listen, we didn't make the seed, we were given the seed, and we don't make it grow. All we do is scatter it. Okay? So let's scatter it well. Man, all kinds of passages I got to skip here. But um, what are you doing right now? You are disciplining yourself to stay focused. Or not. Um, you are, we are to listen humbly. James 1 speaks to this, that we're to humbly accept God's word. We don't stand over God's word and critique it. We, we sit below God's word and are critiqued by it. God's word discerns the intentions of our hearts. So listen humbly. Be like the Bereans in Acts 17. Um, they, they, uh, the, the Jewish Bereans had Paul come into town, and it says this in Acts 17, 11. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? They received the word with all eagerness. You know what eagerness, right? You know that feeling? Give it to me. Uh, you'd, maybe you had that, that thought over the holidays when there was dinner cooking, right? I'm eager to eat that. My aunt's boyfriend makes prime rib. Oh, man. All day, it's smoking. And, oh, man, I was eager to eat that. Are you eager to eat God's word, to receive it? They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. One one, uh, scholar said they combined receptivity with critical questioning. They had a great balance. They were open-minded, tolerant, fair, thoughtful. You should ask, where did he get that? 
please, that helps me so much. I, I may have thought, I may know how I got to a point, but if I don't communicate that well, you have no idea how I got there. And you should question how I got there because you don't know how I got there. Pray for us. That's, that's what we need to do. and We need to do it better. To get to the truth, we need to explain how we got there. Um, my, my preaching professor said that a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. Okay, if it's a little bit misty up here, it's going to be foggy down there. You know, I don't know what he's saying. Please pray for us. Um, it, it is important that you take notes, unless taking notes doesn't help you listen, right? How many of you are note takers? Okay, how many of you adamantly are not note takers? It doesn't help. Look at that. Say we're different. Okay, do what you need to do to listen better. Okay, very important. Um, I also want to pause at this moment and commend this church. Uh, I've been here for nine and a half years now. Um, the first two, yeah, sorry, I made some of you feel a little older. Um, the first two and a half, um, Amy and I moved down to Orange County and this is the church we, we became members at and came to. But I want to commend you for your desire to hear God's word, for gathering on Sundays to hear God's word preached, for interacting, for challenging. Um, always demand that God's word is preached from this pulpit, um, not man's opinions. Um, if I begin to spout man's opinions, come take me down. Um, let's talk. Get me back on the right path. Let's always have God's man preaching God's word in this pulpit. Uh, after. What do we do after? Well, what do we do after? We walk out and get our coffee and hang out and talk about you know, whatever. That's what we do. <laughs> That's good. I can't wait for some coffee after this. Um, but what should you do after the sermon? You should pray. You might have noticed a theme here that the first point in all of these was pray. <laughs> okay? Pray. Why? Here's just a, a, a little story that someone told. Satan was standing outside a church building one Sunday morning. Inside, the people were singing, praying, listening to preaching. A passerby asked Satan if that did not bother him. With a demonic sneering laugh, he replied negatively. Then he added, they get that way on Sunday, but they'll be all right on Monday. It's just a little habit they've acquired. Are you here habitually because this is the thing to do? Or are you here because God's here and because God's people are here? Pray because Satan doesn't mind us being here if we're not listening to God's word. In fact, that may be a better distraction than staying away from this place. Satan has all kinds of avenues of attack. Uh, number two, respond. Respond somehow, some way. Um, Adrian Rogers used to say that his goal was for people to leave his sermon either mad, sad, or glad. Mad, sad, or glad, rather than apathetic. Maybe he made somebody mad. That's better than not making them anything. Maybe they're sad, and maybe that's, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they're glad, and that's the best thing. People respond differently to God's word. Think of Isaiah in chapter 6. God asks, who will go for me? Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Jonah responds to God's call and says, cruise? That way? He gets out of there. Pentecost, Acts 2, the first sermon ever preached by Peter. The people asked, what must we do? What do we do? They were cut to the heart. What do we do in response to this message? The Word of God tells us to be doers. Or the NIV says, do what it says. Take God's Word and do it. Actively, actively, actively look for takeaways. Listen, I cannot possibly apply God's Word to every single heart in here. I have a hard enough time doing it for myself. I will try to get applications, but actively look 
for takeaways. The people responded in Nehemiah 8 that we read this morning. Um, The people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. They bowed their heads and worshipped God. Verse 12, listen to this. All the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that had been declared to them. Why did they go and feast and have a good time together? Because they understood the words. Listen, you're going to go feast after this, right? Many of you are going to go out. How many of you at least once a month go out to eat uh, after, after church on Sunday? Okay? All right, a good chunk of you. A good chunk of you, okay? Um, talk about the sermon. Now, this is, by the way, I'm not giving you permission to like shred, it's not like shred the pastor time, okay? <laughs> but, it, yeah, I know, you're disappointed. But it should be, it should be an opportunity to say, you know, where did he get that? What was that about? Maybe you disagreed with something. Maybe you were challenged by something. Talk about that at lunch. You know, another thing you could do is offer feedback. Number three, I'm skipping all around. Number three, offer feedback. Um, I love feedback. I, my, you know, my heart and my flesh really love good, good, good uh, sermon pastor. I love that. Um, but you know what's actually most helpful for me is real, honest, specific feedback. Like, I didn't understand what you were saying. No. Okay, let's talk about that. That's a good thing for me to hear. Terry Hall does a fantastic job at this. Terry gives me real, honest, specific feedback. Okay? Terry never, well, maybe sometimes. But Terry doesn't usually say, hey, great job. Terry says, that really helped me, this or that. Um, the way you said that, that's helpful for me, even if it's constructively critical. Please do that. So talk about the sermon at lunch. Ask questions. You know, you might attend a community group during the week to internalize and to learn from other spirit-indwelt believers. Right now, we have two community groups meeting. We'd love to have more. But Thursday nights, Pastor Ron leads a group at Fred and Gene Johnson's home. 7 o'clock, Right? Okay, and then on Friday nights, Jacob Ailes leads a group at his and Sarah's house, and that, that begins at 7 p.m., and they discuss the sermon. Okay, last, let's do it all again next week. Let's do it all again next week, okay? Let's come back next Sunday, and let's do this again. Um, let's be expecting God to speak. Let's come prepared. Let's come rested, if possible. Let's come ready to worship God. Now, we have the time here at the end of the service, as the elders come forward, to, to further our participation together by celebrating the Lord's Supper. And, and I, I would like to, to draw your attention um, as we prepare here to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Pastor Ron um, usually reads from this passage, and I want to kind of go a little bit further and maybe remind us what we're doing. 1 Corinthians 11 talks about the Lord's Supper, talks about what Paul was teaching that, that church about how to celebrate this. But he says this in verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. See, that's what's happening right now too. Is that judgment starting with the people of God. In fact, he says this. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. That's our judgment. I'm a pretty good guy. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. Why? So that we may not be condemned along with the world. Listen, don't participate. It's just a cracker. It's just juice, right? No. (laughs) Don't participate in this without examining your heart. 
it's okay to pass. Listen, can we agree that we're not going to judge somebody next to us if they don't take it today? Can we agree with that? We're not going to do that. If you need to let this pass by, don't. But here's the deal. We're going to give you time to get right with the Lord so you don't have to let it pass by. This is a fantastic way that we remember the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to be the savior of the world because how desperately we need to be saved. We weren't getting anywhere on our own and you sent Jesus to live the life that we just couldn't live because of sin. But he obeyed you perfectly. He died the death that we deserved in our place. And three days later, he rose again because Satan, sin, death could not hold him. And that is good news because one day our bodies will come out of the grave and we will be given new ones like Jesus's so that we might live forever in your presence in the new heavens and the new earth. And that is the good news that we have. Father, thank you for your love for us. Pray that anyone this morning who does not know this love would come to know this morning. Help them to ask questions. Lord, prepare us as we go to the education hour to continue to learn, to continue to be under your teaching. And God, prepare us for next week when we come and hear our pastor um, speak about the vision that he and the elders have for our church for this coming year. God, go with us and be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.